0: Are like me, and uh, in order to start a real time of worship, you like to sing. So, for you singers um, in the room, we're just gonna do we're just gonna do a little um, a little rendition of uh, of a song. Um, and uh, I guess we'll do. A, There's not a friend like the lonely Jesus. No, not one. No, not one None else could heal All our souls diseases. No, not one No, not one Jesus knows Jesus knows All about our struggles He will guide Till the day is done There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Now, come on, let's just give God another thunderous praise. So we've been having this conversation for the last few weeks. And the conversation, uh, we've been, um, you know, engaging in is this fact that we are um, we are people who sometimes are people who we want to be and at other times we face a reality that we're looking and experiencing a person we really thought we had eradicated thought we had gotten rid of the person that we're currently seeing. And uh, if there was a message title that would kind of put an encapsulation on the conversation, it would be this. Um, Everywhere I go, I always show up. All right? Everywhere I go, I tend to show up. The scripture reference, if there is one, would be in Romans, the seventh chapter, um, and I think it's referenced um, there for you. And it says, it says these things: that um, the things I would do, I do not, and the things I would not do, that I do. That is a cry or a, um, a uh, statement made by the Apostle Paul, who found himself in somewhat of a quandary, and it was this thing that he had in his mind, heart, in his soul, very good intentions. Amen. But finding out that the road to hell is filled with good intention. Carrying out the intention becomes the, um, I guess, bane of some of our uh, existences. It is, we know to do right, and we intend to do it, but at the end <laughs> of the day, we find out, usually from our wives, we were unsuccessful. <laughs> <not> <laughs> My wife's not here <laughs> I I missed it again right Uh, there's this this, I don't know um, okay I'm not going to go that direction because you guys don't know Snoop Doggy Dog Uh, anyway there's this caption where he says this guy don't miss he don't miss I don't know exactly what he was talking about but I know who he wasn't talking about I have missed I missed the mark somehow and um, the reality is that at the end of the day we recognize our humanity our, our uh, you know that, that part of us that um, seems to be filled with failure it's the part of us that God himself said would not dwell with him it's that inconsistency. It's that, it's that, um, it's that, That volatility of, of uh, you know, of disposition. You know, um, all of us in some way, shape or form have these mental ailments where um, they got a name for it. It's where you're up sometimes and then you're down sometimes and then you really, really up sometimes and then really, really down and it happens in like a five-minute interval. What is that called? Okay, so you guys know that this thing is a real thing. It happens, but that being said, we also talked over the last few weeks about us attempting to run from that reality. And we told you, we talked about Jacob. Trying to get away from what was really himself, he ran um, and uh, he went to Uncle Laban's house, and he found out that what he was running from uh, from from his father's house, and um, and also what he was running from uh, with his with his brother, who was, you know, who had. Promised that he was going to kill him as soon as he was done mourning his father. You know, once he got to where he thought he had safety, he ran into himself, and what he saw first was himself in Uncle Laban, and then he realized that who Uncle Laban was and the part of Uncle Laban that he didn't like, he was also, and so. Uncle Laban tricked him, then he tricked Uncle Laban back. And Then he finds himself running from Uncle Laban, which he ran to and found himself. Now he's gonna run back somehow, I think, thinking that he was leaving himself behind and again he saw what he needed to see, which was this ladder that it It had these angels ascending and descending. Y'all remember the story? And it was there that he transitioned to the second part. We understand that you can't run from you, but if you try to wrestle you, you will lose. And here he finds himself wrestling. The Bible calls it um, an angel. Other versions of the Bible also call uh, that he's wrestling with God. Really, the depiction is um, a psychological one, or from a psychological point of view, he's fighting with himself. He's interconflicted, he's in, tor- in turmoil that um, he knows what he wants but he's experiencing what he is. He's an earthling, desiring a higher, better existence. He's wrestling. And just like some of us in this room, we find that when we wrestle ourselves, we really are only hurting ourselves and We realize with Jacob, the Bible says that the angel pulled on a certain part of his thigh slash hip. And from that day, this is the the, uh, theological assumption. From that day, he walked differently. You understand? It's at a point that we have to come to terms with ourselves and then remember what the angel said, let me go, right? We have to let go. Because we can't fix us. We have to recognize that in order, I think it's illegal for a doctor to operate on himself. Is that true? Anybody? Anybody? (laughs) I know that it's ill-advised for an attorney to represent himself. You all get where I'm coming from? Sometimes you need an outside professional, an arbitrator of such or sorts to kind of work things out for you because sometimes you're too close Right to the event, and you need something outside of you to help fix you. And today I just want to give you all a suggestion. And that is that there is an opportunity that have been afforded to us all. That no matter what the importance of our lives levels are, and I do realize there are some pretty important people in some of the rooms that I speak to. Way more, way more important and influential than me. What I realize is that in those rooms, no matter how high and falutin, and no matter how look, I realize in some of those rooms there's some guys who spent more time incarcerated than they have outside. I, I realize. But the same opportunity is afforded to them as anybody else. The opportunity is that there is some source that is ready to give its resource. So that you can be a powerful force. Now I know some of you are like, what in the world is he talking about? (laughs) It's real simple. Jesus said that he was several things. He said that he was the way, the truth, the light. He said that um, he was the resurrection and the life. He said that he was the door. He said, uh, you know, basically seven things, but the one I want to talk to you all today about is the one that guides instead of immediately extracts. Most of the things that Jesus said he was was a representation of immediate extraction from whatever dilemma you might be experiencing. But this one, it denotes and suggests that what you really need may not come with immediacy, but with relationship. He said, I am the good shepherd. You see, when he said he was the shepherd what he was saying was that he had the ability to walk with you while you be you and he show you shows you continually how to enjoy dependency while you still wear your skin. Sheep, they really have no sense of direction. If you leave a sheep on his own, he'll eat green grass right into a lion's den. I know, they turn these mics out when I say certain stuff. I'll just keep talking. Maybe they'll turn the turtle back on. Yeah, a a, a, a sheep, a lamb. They, they they have no they have no defenses right um if if it was to uh wind up in the face one on one with a with a uh a wolf uh the wolf would show his teeth and the sheep would smile back <laughs> there's there's nothing there's nothing grimacing about a a sheep look right? Like a bear would show its claws, and the lamb would uh, would uh, you know would would just stand in awe. Nothing, nothing to return. The only real thing that a, a sheep has to offer is um, meat to eat. And in an environment where sheep does not have shepherds, it it could be very, very dangerous. Men, I know you want to think of yourselves as these, and I don't know why they're doing this at the Y, these strong, robust, you know, um, self-contained and and self-maintained people, but really, all you are is sheep. And your real defense against the real enemy is nothing more than a paper giant at best. You can show him your uh, credit report. He doesn't care about that. So your money is not not important. You can can show him, uh, you know, your... um, you know, your, your family lineage and history. And uh, he, he beat most of them already. So that's, that's not any weight for him. What I'm saying to you is you need a shepherd that has the ability to defeat the real enemy. Most of us think that our enemies are people who we can see. But I'm telling you, that when Jesus said he was a good shepherd, he was saying that he was willing to walk with you through turbulence and the vicissitudes of life to bring you to a place where you are truly prosperous. Some of us in this room, and I'm gonna be done, need to understand that what you need is not faster feet or stronger muscles but what you need are thin-skinned knees. Some of us need to submit to the leading of a good shepherd. The shepherd knows how to win. However, he needs every single thing that he's led you through to this point to be your experience so that he uses it for your deliverance. Some of us think, that the things we experienced as children were meant to hurt and uh, destroy us. Some of us think that our teenage years were, were uh, set up to take us out. Others of us think that the experiences on jobs as we attempted to provide uh, were, were meant to again Uh, Deflate us and make us us, uh, succumb to what it is this world has to offer people. But what I want you all to know is that the Good Shepherd has been leading you into environments where you can experience his leadership you can experience his ability to maneuver situations to eventually put you in a place where you really want to be. Pastor, I'm still not with you. It's Jesus who experienced God's leading of his life that he now knows how to place upon yours to bring you a desired end. Do you know Jesus? You remember him? He was born of a virgin and his earthly father could not take biological credit of him which means that he was called a bastard child most of his life. Do you recognize that it was his experience um, that uh, caused him to be able to do great things but people still saw what he did as no good. That kind of seems similar. It was this same Jesus who only did good, the Bible said, that somehow found himself in the face of uh, the powers that be. And they were now casting upon him a sentence of death. They beat him all night long, they pulled his beard out with their bare hands. They slapped him and with closed fists, they smote him. It was there they spit in his face and then the ultimate, they put a cross on his back and commanded him to walk down the center of the town streets while still ridiculing him and beating him He walks down this Via Della Rosa and winds up at what is called Golgotha's Hill. It's there. They stretched him out and put nails in his hands and feet. It was there. They elevated his body so that he was suspended between earth and glory, and it was there. He bellowed out several words that still today are resonating throughout our atmosphere. This one he said gets most of us. He said, Father, forgive them. Today I want you to know that no matter what you've done, the cry of Christ is still on your life. It is, Father, forgive them. It doesn't matter whether you were on the right side or the wrong side when you submit you're in the right place and Jesus knows with his good shepherding how to take all of those experiences and bring them to a culmination of success for you I'll digress when I say this and I try not to get loud um, so that I got the point out It's my last week, so I'm going to let it rip. (laughs) There was a dude who um, put himself in what is called uh, the Melbourne uh, Marathon. This marathon was one uh, that was run, it was uh, actually a 544 mile uh, trek across Australia. It was from Sydney to Melbourne. And um, these runners who entered into this race was normally uh, young guys who had sponsors, who had all of the latest and greatest of the technologies in order to allow for what was normally a seven uh, to eight day run uh, to be run with as much comfort as possible. There was a fellow, though, who was about 61 years old, who put himself into this race. When he put himself into the race, it wasn't strange that he was 61 years old because there were old people, I'm sorry, there were people of that age who tried to run, you know, the the marathon, it wasn't strange. But what happened was when when he got to the race, they started chuckling, just like you guys started doing at at this old fella. And um, it was not necessarily because they knew his age, but it was what he had on. He wore um, a, a set of overalls, flannel shirt with brogain boots. This is a 544 mile marathon. This fella walks up on the starting line, and because of his appearance, there were people who interviewed him before the race ever started. They they found him an anomaly. They found him interesting, right? Even more so than some of the characters we got out on our media today. And, um, yeah. okay, so, and I'm not gonna ask you who you laughing at, but I'm just, and uh, so they interviewed him. So they had a story, a backstory. They. Figured that maybe one day it might be interesting to you know hear his story, and then the gun goes off, Whop! and everybody starts running. And of course, just like they had imagined, just like they had perceived, um, the fellow who was in the brogans and uh, overalls were—he was one of the last people to cross, you know, the start line, and um, and he was doing what they called the old man's shuffle, right? He wasn't running, right? He was kind of like shuffling, where his feet were not really leaving the ground. And um, of course, you know, everybody, you know, like, wow, this this is gonna be interesting. So what happens is, on the first day, remember this, seven days of this race, uh, the, the uh, record was I think seven days and two hours or something like that um, and, and um, so he was you know they, 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 they ran and on the first day there were people who were miles and miles ahead of, ahead of him and what happens on this race this is the normal way they did it was uh, the racers or the runners they would stop and then they would sleep through the night and, uh, and then they would get up in the morning feeling good and, and ready to go again and they would run well, you want to know what they found out? That um, this fella, who was who was the sixty-one-year-old, when they woke up the first morning, they looked at the leadership board, and uh, this fella, whose name was Cliff Young, if you all ever want to look him up, this fella was at the top of the leadership board, and the leaders are asking, "Who is Cliff? We're like, which one? Who is Cliff?" And Cliff's not there to, to, uh, to tell, you know, it's me. You want to know why? Because Cliff was already uh, on the uh, path for running. And so uh, the fast guys are like, well, shucks, man, we better, we better get going. And so they strike out the second day, and they finally see Cliff. They're like, man, that's Cliff. It's the middle of the day, and it's almost time to stop. And so they, they get up to Cliff, you know, and they pass Cliff. <laughs> That's a running sound <laughs> They overtake Cliff and, uh, and then they get ready for the night And they go, they go to sleep Well They wake up the next morning And they look at the leadership board And you want to know who's at the forefront again It's this guy Cliff And so they Well we overtook Cliff yesterday We're going to go again And they run the second day And they're looking for Cliff. Oh. (laughs) And Cliff's nowhere to be found. The second day ends. They wake up the next day. Maybe Cliff's out of the race. hear it. And I'm done when I say this because this gets me excited. Cliff starts to tell the media as they ask him, how did you do this in four days, almost half the time that the other guys are expected to finish? He says, well, I'm a shepherd. Oh, man, y'all missed that. Okay. He says, I've been a shepherd my whole life. He says, and as a shepherd, When you are a good shepherd, you look after the sheep. He says we had 2,000 acres and 2,000 sheep. And it was my responsibility to look after every one of those sheep. And if a sheep was missing, I had to go and find that sheep. And I had to make sure that sheep was safe. And sometimes, most times, I had to run the sheep in order to keep them together because if I allowed them to stop too long then the the, the herd would scatter and it would cause me to have to work too hard to keep everything in and so I would run them and sometimes I would have to run them through the night because sometimes we would be in areas where predators were and I had to keep my eye to make sure nothing happened to him. And so some days, sometimes I would stay up days at a time to make sure that the sheep were taken care of. He says, so when all of those other folks are practicing their normal mode of operation of sleeping at least eight hours through the night, I have been tempered that I don't need sleep. I don't have to go down because my body has been prepared to stay up. He says, I I thought somebody would be shouting, but that's okay. There's another thing he told me. He says that um, what I learned in my running was that I used more energy to pick my feet up every time I tried to make a stride and that I seemed Uh, to keep my wind longer when I just let my feet shuffle across the ground he says I can run all day because it's really for me now like a walk he says and so I can strive and I can stay up and I never have a problem with exhaustion because again I've been prepared for this Ain't nobody got it yet I'll tell y'all something else And then he says That not only am I able to run all day And stay up all night He says I have clothing That um, allows me to be able to run In the daytime Because I have a loose garment on And and, uh, it it allows for air to, To be trapped and come in He says, but I'm also prepared for the cool nights that come along as well. Because it's at that time that my flannel shirt comes into play. And as long as my body heat stays at a certain temperature, I am not affected by the outside temperatures of a frigid Australian night. And so I thought somebody would be shouting by now. And so what he's saying to them is, My past experiences have brought me to a place where I can whoop, beat anything that this marathon might throw at me. Here in the room, I just want you all to know that what God has already taken you through, the experiences of your life that you didn't quite understand. God has a way of using those. So that you can become a benefit to those he might put in your care. Don't worry about the stuff. Don't worry about these trials in life. Don't don't worry about the tough times. I hear somebody say, tough times don't last, but tough people do. Here, I want you all to be encouraged. Your life is intentional. The things that you are experiencing Our own purpose, the thing that you have to do is take on that verse number one of the eighth chapter of Romans. We can leave seven behind because there's an eight one that I'm so glad they put in there. It doesn't matter what you've been through. I don't care if they told you you are the one who's responsible for it or not. The Bible says that there is therefore now No condemnation. How is it that I can't be condemned? I sold the drugs. There is therefore now no condemnation. How can I not be condemned? I was the one who put the prostitute out on. There is therefore now no condemnation. I was the one who cussed them out. I was the one who kicked them. I was the one who did that. There is therefore now no condemnation. To them who are in Christ Jesus. Today, I would say stop running. Stop wrestling. The blessings of the Lord be upon you. I love you, brothers. Pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do it right now. Father, in Jesus' name, these men who are sitting here, each one of them with their own experiences, each one of them with their own heavy hearts, each one of them with things going on that they don't quite understand, I pray for them right now. God, you told Peter that when he comes to himself, when he has been converted, that the whole reason why he was being delivered was so that he could help his brother. I pray, God, that as you reveal to them what it is you would have for them, that you would give to them the words to say to encourage the brother who's sitting next to them. We give you glory for this. We thank you for leading our lives and being the shepherd of our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. amen.